Good morning. How's everybody today? Good to see you. Good to see you. Welcome to North Star Church. North Star is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and say it with me, church, anything is possible. And uh, if you believe that with all of your heart, that God is a, a God of possibilities, give him a praise clap today. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but for the last several weeks, I haven't been saying, welcome our Tupelo campus. It's because, have you noticed that? Well, some of you have. Uh, it's because we have been making some changes, and not only in stage time, but also in how we transmit our signal. And uh, we're just a, a little ways away from getting that back up. but. Uh, we're, we're also make, making some other changes where our campus pastors and other staff will have more opportunities to share. And so uh, I'm thankful that uh, God has blessed our church the way he has and, and provided the way he has. And uh, both of our campuses are incredible. And so uh, just in a, a short time, uh, I'll be saying that again. And uh, of course, I'm at the Tupelo campus uh, every few weeks or so anyway. And so uh, I look forward to that and be able to share um, more about that later. Uh, are you glad you came today? All right, good, good. Uh, Sunday night, this past Sunday night, uh, we had a Sunday evening service. <laughs> That's something that we don't do here at North Star very often. But it was an incredible, incredible night as we shared the, the vision of where we're headed, headed as a church. And if you missed that, uh, I wish you could have been there, but if you missed it, I'm going to be sharing at both of our campuses uh, later this month uh, in more detail even than, than we did on Sunday night. But I'm, I'm anxious to share that with the entire church about uh, where we're headed as a church and how we're going to get there. Can I get an amen? All right. Good. We're uh, in a series from the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John. It's an incredible book. Uh, it was written as a letter to be circulated to the different churches. So it wasn't just one church that read this letter, but it was, it was circulated. And John, who also wrote the Gospel of John, John uh, reveals the the humanity of Jesus in 1 John, while in the Gospel of John, he had emphasis on the deity of Jesus. Now, the book of 1 John, the reason I said it's so, so incredible, when somebody through the years in ministry has come to me and said, Pastor, I'm, I'm doubting whether or not I'm really saved or not. And by the way, um, if you're doubting whether or not you're truly saved, go back to the time that you made a decision, and look at that decision of what you did. Because we started this series off talking about that being saved is more than just praying a prayer. Certainly, you can pray asking Jesus to come into your life and declaring that you're putting your trust in him with prayer, through prayer, from your heart, silent prayer, out loud prayer. Uh, but it's more than just repeating words. Salvation happens when behind the prayer is faith and 
repentance. And so last week, um, and, and all through John, John deals with the subject of assurance. And so last week, we said, uh, if you weren't here, this is how I set it up last week. I, I, I was trying to think of a, a smoother, a, a more delicate way to say it, but I couldn't do it because uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. So I said that you have not been saved if you continue in sin. Not if you ever sin, for crying out loud. I mean, I sin, you sin. We're all sinners. But if you, it is a pattern, it is a resolve that you are continuing in sin. And the Bible says clearly that if that's happening, then you are living in the darkness and the light of God is not in you. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it, so I couldn't say it any more delicate than what the Bible says. And then last week I said, uh, you're not saved if you say you have no sin. Now I said, I said it, but John said it. He said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the love of the Father is not in you. And then I'm just doing this recap to like drive home the point. And for those of you that missed it, uh, you're getting a mini sermonette or Christianettes. Uh, and then I said, you're not a believer if um, you have no confidence before God. Because God, his love gives us confidence. And so today I, I want to talk about uh, the assurance of God's love for you. In fact, Martin Luther said, he said, love for God grows in the assurance of God's love for you. Your love for God uh, grows in the, the assurance of God's love for you. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John. We're going to look at chapter 2, beginning with verse 15, and then we're going to look at some other verses. But to begin with, um, 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 John says do not love the world or anything in the world now that's that's like a bold statement what is, what in the world does does that mean don't love the world or anything in the world okay we're going to break that down if anyone loves the world love for the father is not in them for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. Notice that verse. The world and its desires, they pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So what does that mean? Hate the world? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean, and then we're going to break it down. And I have two observations to give you. Loving, love not the world is, does not mean hating earthly pleasures. There are a lot of things on earth that give us pleasure, right? John is not saying, well, hate, hate everything. <laughs> hate everything that, that gives you pleasure. No, well, that's... that's Absolutely not what 
it is saying. Because there's more to it than that. It does not mean um, hating earthly pleasures. Jesus, they, they call Jesus a glutton. He wasn't a glutton and a partaker of fine wine. It's not saying that you can't enjoy life, all right? That's not what hating earthly pleasures is. That's not what hating the world is. That's not the opposite of uh, loving uh, the world. Because uh, I think it brings glory to God for us to, to leave here in just a few minutes and go to Lone Star. <laughs> amen. Praise God. Can I get an amen? That may be the only amen I get today. It brings God glory that we enjoy his creation. It does not mean hating economic and social structure. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to hate big business. And that there are Christians who somehow believe that, and uh, they're unlovable Christians if they're Christians. It doesn't mean hating culture. Your culture. It, it doesn't mean... Uh, there was a time, I remember, and this happened to a lot of people that I know, that uh, the devil is in rock and roll and the devil is in all non-Christian music. I went to a concert, Marl and I, uh, in, in, I'm not going to even tell you who it was, but it, 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 was, it was clean, it was good. But the guy had recently met Jesus. And so, well, I'll tell you, tell you who it is. I can't think of his name. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Who is that? I can't read lips that far. What? Huh? B.J. Thomas, yeah. That was lame, wasn't it? I mean, but somebody, hollered, somebody yelled out at the concert. It also dates me really bad, but uh, we liked him. Um, I can tell you some of the other concerts I went to, and you wouldn't think those were lame. I'll just tell you. Uh, uh, Somebody yelled out at the concert, we want to see Jesus. And I just wanted to get up and walk over there, and I'm not going to tell you what I wanted to do. But, I mean, when you, when you meet Christ, you don't check culture at the door. You, you're, a, you're a Christian in this world. And uh, even, you know, they, they said, and there's, listen, there's country music and, and rock and roll that you shouldn't listen to. All right, right? Uh, because I used to listen to it. But I was not one of those that, that broke records and burnt your uh, cassette tapes back in the day. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean hating culture. It means loving God. It's not hating culture. Of course, you know, some people think all of that's so wrong and that, that uh, Jesus only listened to Southern Gospel. Or our kind of music. Uh, but I, I was uh, in college, and um, I, I walked up to a group of guys. They were preachers. and uh, Because in, at that day, the only men that could go to my college were preachers. It's not that way anymore. But I walked up, and I, I, I came in in the middle of the conversation. And they were talking about how they had gotten rid of their television because it's evil. And it, it just went around the circle. And uh, when it got to me, everybody had sold theirs. 
except for me and one other guy. And one guy said, well, I just paid mine off. And I said, uh, guys, could it be that it's not that the devil's in your television? The devil is in the fact that you can't get up because you haven't got enough sense to change the channel. I do tell it like it is, all right? So, it's loving the world. It's not hating uh, the economic and social structure. It's not hating earthly pleasure. It's not hating uh, culture. And it's not hating people. How many people haven't come to Christ because they were turned off by Christians who hated them? I don't hate people. I hate what some, some of the things that people do. But how are you going to win the world to Jesus Christ if you're sending out a, a bitter hatred message to them? So I've spent all this time to tell you uh, what, it's, what it's not. Now, two observations that I want to make, and, and then we'll go, to, to, to out, we'll go out to eat, all right? And bring glory to God. Uh, the first one is John is teaching us, do not love the world. Do not love the world. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 3, the infamous verse, verse 16, but oftentimes we don't read the next verse. Let me just read it to you. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. What is the world? Well, the world, the lost world, is the world arrayed in rebellion against God. That's what the world is. Don't love the world. Don't love the fact that the world is arrayed in rebellion against God. For God so loved the world that he gave us his son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So if you're thinking about uh, John saying, love not the world as being hating the world and everything in it. And I've already told you what it doesn't mean. Uh, listen to verse 17. Jesus said, for God did, or what the Bible says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To save the world through him. Now, back to our text, uh, he tells us uh, three things uh, about what this scripture means. First John chapter 2. For everything in the world, the lust, and let me stop with the word lust for a minute. A lo- the, the word lust is, and you might want to write this in your notes, it is a, a craving that takes on such weight in your life that it controls you. That's what lust is. The word lust is actually the Greek word epithumia. Epithumia. That probably didn't mean anything to you, but it sounded good for me to say it. Epithumia, it's it's actually a a word uh, that that means lust. It's lust. It's, It's a craving that you have that takes on such weight in your life that it controls you. Now, I'm going to break these down he, because he says uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So what does it mean to have uh, 
lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. Hmm. Well, there are worldly pleasures that in themselves aren't bad. They could be good, but they can be misused. So the lust of the flesh would be lusting after those things to the point that they control you. The second one is the lust of the eyes. It would be like uh, money, for example. Money's not bad. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the love of money or the lust of money is the root of all evil. And it is. And so you see somebody else, what, they, what they're driving. Uh, you know, you, it's never enough. First you get a 32-inch, right? Yeah. Man, that's nice. Compared to those old models that were like four feet deep televisions, and you get, oh, but, but you go to somebody's house for a party, and they, got, they had a, a 42-inch. Yeah. So you can't, you can't justify it quick enough and earn the money fast enough before you get a 48-inch. Amen? And then you see a 48-inch, and you go to somebody else's house, and they got a, 60-inch. Got to have it. Baby, you got to have it. And then, I saw one the other day. I, I, I believe with all of my heart, it, it had to be eight foot big, long. And I'm thinking, man, this is bigger than your wall. It wasn't any of you, it was somebody else, but uh, probably some of you have an eight foot one. But it, that's the, that's the uh, lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. It is something that you don't think you can be happy unless you have, and you're willing to disobey God in order to get it. That's the lust. I don't know if I can say that the same way again, but it, it's something that you're not going to be happy until you get, and you'll be willing to disobey God in order to get it. The writer in Proverbs said it this way. He said, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Don't trust in your own cleverness. Don't trust in your own cleverness. Again, it's not that you can't be rich. It's not that you can't have those things. It's just that when those things start having you. Are you with me so far? Is it good stuff? Even if it hurts a little bit? Yeah, it does hurt a little bit. And then the third one, he says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, the epithumia of the eyes. And then he says, the pride of life. What is the pride of life? The pride of life. The pride of life is, number one, when your accomplishments make you think that you're better than others. Okay. And so... Uh, I, I, I told the worship team backstage, Ed Cole said, your talent will take you farther than your character can sustain you. I didn't, have, I didn't feel a need to tell the band that, but we were talking about, and we talk about this every week, God do what we cannot do. Give us the strength to, to speak, to sing, to play, so that they'll know that it was only from you. We got some talented people at, at our two campuses. And, and just take, take 
the talent of the, the, the one speaking out of the picture. Uh, your talent, such a powerful statement. Your talent can take you farther than your character can sustain you. So the pride of life is when your accomplishments make you think you're better than somebody else, that I'm a better speaker than somebody else, that I can play the guitar better because it's my accomplishments. In fact, some people take the attitude, I've worked hard to get to where I'm at. And uh, I, I worked hard and I've earned it. No, God lets you breathe his air and he enabled you to get to where you are. You didn't do it on your own. I don't care how smart you are. Number two, it's when you assume this is the pride of life. Your accomplishments make you think that you're better than everybody else. And then you assume that these things make your life so stable that you have nothing to worry about. I've got this degree and I've gotten these raises and these promotions and I, ha I hold this title and I make this much money. And the pride of life is you assuming that, that these things bring stability to your life. And they really don't. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Dear children... Keep yourselves from idols, and that's the second one. Love not the world, that's the first one. But then second, keep yourself from idols. Now, I want you to write this one down. An idol is, it is when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. An idol is not necessarily a bad thing. But with that 72-inch television it's not bad it's bad if you have to finance it and you pay twice as much for it because you bought when you should have saved it's when a good thing it's not a bad thing becomes the ultimate thing oh i gotta have it i'm not gonna be happy i gotta have it and so that is why he says keep yourself from idols the question is not um Do you worship? The question is, is, what are you worshiping? And so in our, in our text, he says uh, in, the, in that verse, keep yourself from idols. Um, the very essence of conversion, all right? When a person gives their heart to Jesus Christ, the very essence of conversion is when God becomes God to you. You may know that or believe that there is a God, but the essence of conversion is when, wow, he becomes God to you. You put your trust in him, and you see with different eyes, you hear with different ears. 1st of all, I want to talk about idolatrous love. Idolatrous love of the world shows that God is missing from your life. He says, love not idols. But if you have idolatrous love, that means something has become an idol, and that has taken the place of God. And as I mentioned a moment ago, and we'll put it up now, and that is, the question is not if you are worshiping 
The question is, what are you worshiping? The question is not if you worship. Do we have that one? Yeah, put it up. The question is not if you worship, but what you worship. Are you worshiping God? So, well, I come to church on Sunday and I worship God. Well, see, worship is more than showing up, checking the box, that checking, okay, God, met God, came to church. But what do you do the other, the other six days of the week? Worship, we often say here, when you come here to worship, come bringing your worship. Well, I really didn't get a lot out of the service today. Um, I didn't really like those songs. I didn't really like that message. I really didn't like that speaker. Uh, but, but if you've been worshiping, hang with me, if you've been worshiping all week long, you're bringing your worship. So idolatrous worship is, is uh, excluding God from your life. So he says, keep yourself from idols. Idolatr idolatrous love means the, that the, the love of the Father is not in you. The second one is the way to overcome the world. I like this one. Is by embracing the love of the Father. Now we can overcome the world. Our faith overcomes the world. But the way that we deal with idols, those things that, that so dangerously take the place of God, it could be a relationship, it, it could be uh, money, it could be many different things, but that idolatrous love of an idol is proof that God is not in your life. Back to last week's sermon, if you can continue to sin, not ever sin, but continue to sin. The second one is... The way to overcome the world, the way to conquer sin, the way to be victorious is by embracing the love of the Father. So, so when I'm, I'm tempted to do what I should not do, I, I just embrace the fact that, that God loves me. 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 4, look at this. He says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Jesus did everything necessary. Listen to me. Jesus did everything necessary when he went to the cross and paid the price, the penalty, for our sins. And then he said, it is finished. And so we can, everyone that is born of God overcomes the world. Never sins? No but overcomes the world. You see, this is what I know, and I, I want you to take the time to write this one down. Salvation is not the reward for you having overcome the world. Thank God. <laughs> really? I mean, thank God for that, because I, would, I, I, I probably wouldn't be saved. Salvation is not the reward for Terry or you having overcome the world, but it is the power by which you overcome the world. Marinate that one. Salvation is not the reward for having overcome the world. Salvation is the power by which you can overcome the world. I feel very illustrative today. But it's very important that you grasp this. 
Salvation is not the reward for you having done good. Salvation is not the reward for you having read your Bible 365 days or 364. We'll, we'll let you slide on that last one. But it is, it is the power of the gospel. It is the power of God living in me that enables me to overcome the world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. You see, knowledge, knowledge of the love of God for you produces the love of God in you. It is the fact that I know that God loves me that I can even begin to love him. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. We know, know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. By being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. The Puritans had a statement. It was, it was the expulsive power of new affection. I'm saying it slow because I can't, I don't want to mess it up. The expulsive power of new affection. This is what the Puritans said. What it is, is this. It is replacing smaller cravings with greater things. So as, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as you're following him, you, you have these cravings, but you replace them with new affections. So you have a, a desire for the riches of the world to the point that you would disobey God just to, to get it. You would go into debt just to get it. And so you have these cravings, and the Puritans taught that you start replacing those things with, with the love of God and the love for God. Uh, the, um, I, I just want to say that Jesus, we've talked about money and pleasure and I want to tell you that Jesus is better than any money. You know why? Because he has an infinite supply and supplies us with everything that we need. Jesus is more important than human love. I mean, marriage is just a shadow of what's to come in heaven. It's just a it's just a glimpse of what we're going to have when we get to heaven and experience the love of God. Jesus is better than earthly pleasure. Jesus is better than earthly power. I mean, listen, God takes every molecule, every atom, every electron, every neutron, and he harnesses them in his hand, he commandeers them for his purpose to bless you. 
So if God, who has all the world in his hands, don't you believe, don't you think that he's better than all of these things that we've got? Uh, Jesus is better than earthly pleasure. He's, he's better than, than power, and he's better than popularity. Who doesn't want to be popular, right? I'm telling you, being popular with him is far more better than any earthlings down here. And so here's the third one. Only by not lusting for the world can you ever love the world. Only by not lusting for the world can you ever love the world. How are we going to win this world to Jesus Christ? By hating them? No. It's the, it's the, it's the, powers of darkness arrayed in rebellion against God it's not people but in order to love people in order to reach our goal of one by 21 we're going to have to experience God's love not lusting for the world will enable us to love the world the way that God wants us to love the world 1 John chapter 2 Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. You know, all this stuff, the 72-inch, these new wheels, this new boat, these new clubs, these new whatever, and we all buy stuff. These relationships, they're all going to pass away. Our fortune will be pilfered away <laughs> by our kids and their kids and all of this stuff. It'll be a faint memory. It'll just, it'll just it's here one moment, it's gone the next. But when we love God and we put our trust in him, we've, we've accepted him as our Savior. That is when we realize that everything that we have given up in the world to follow Jesus, we're going to get an upgrade in eternity. So whatever you say no to, guess what? We're going to have so much more when we get to heaven. And all God's people said, Let's bow our heads together. I don't know what you need to give up or you need to start doing. I don't know what you're worshiping, but I know this. God is far more greater than anything that we could ever have. Would you surrender to him right now? Maybe for some, it is accepting Jesus Christ for the very first time. Because today you're ready to put your trust in him. You can say it like this, but remember it's more than repeating a prayer. It's accepting his free gift. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner who needs a savior. 
God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me. That he paid the penalty that I deserved. And it didn't end there. I believe that he rose from the grave. And today, I repent, I turn from my sins, and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come and live in my heart. I accept your free gift. I put my trust in you, and I follow you as Lord. If you made that decision today, we ask that you fill out the card, bring it to guest services. We have a book to give you. We're not going to put you on the spot or keep you, but we just want to know that you made that decision. Now, there are believers listening today that God today and through this study has brought assurance to your heart that you know Jesus and conviction. I want to pray for everyone, so if you would stand with me. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we come to you, and we thank you for speaking to us today and for teaching us these truths. And God, thank you for uh, the way that you, your spirit inspired John to write these words, knowing that we needed to know and be assured of the love of the Father for us. So God, today as we spend just a few more moments in worship, we pray that you'll be uplifted and that you'll be glorified in these moments. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name.